Five years ago, Jan and I were living in the United States. Uh, we were at Mercy Hill Church. I was one of the elders there. We'd planted that church 20 years before, had been there for a long time. And one night I had a dream that was um, unusual, very clear, very short. I was being sent out from that church. Jan and I were being sent out from that church to go minister somewhere else. That was the whole dream. Now, I knew nobody should make a decision based just like, on a dream, but I also knew that, that throughout the Bible, we see God leading people through dreams numerous times in the scriptures. So I was praying, Lord, is, is this just, just a dream or is this like from you? I asked Jan to pray about it. She was praying earnestly, shared it with the elders. They were praying about this earnestly. And I'll never forget one afternoon, I was probably four or five, six weeks later, I was walking uh, by a little creek near our, our home, just praying, saying, God, we'll, we'll go anywhere, we'll stay, we'll go. We just want your will. Lead us, make this clear. And God poured his love out upon me in such a powerful way. His presence, his love, accompanied with this strong sense that he was saying, that dream was from me, and I am calling you to go. Like, whoa. I was... Sorrowful, thinking of who we were going to be leaving. I was thrilled, thinking about, okay, God, here we go. What do you have for us next? And it was very powerful having the Lord lead us. And that was the first step in what ended up bringing us here to Abu Dhabi. Now, here's why I'm explaining this to you. Because today we're starting a two-week series, today and next Friday, on some of the more supernatural spiritual gifts, like dreams, visions, tongues, interpretation, prophecy, some of the more supernatural spiritual gifts. And the reason we're focusing on those gifts is because followers of Jesus have different opinions on those gifts. I would guess we have many different opinions on those gifts here in this, in this room or from many different church backgrounds. Some people, and some of you, um, believe that or have been taught that these supernatural gifts are no longer being given. These are people who love Jesus, love the scriptures. This is the conclusion they've come to as a result of their study of God's word. That's probably some of you. Others love Jesus, love God's word, and have studied the scriptures and have come to the conclusion that God is still giving these supernatural spiritual gifts. And see, the problem is church leaders can't just decide not to decide on this kind of theme because either we're going to be pursuing them or we're not going to be pursuing them. And the elders steering team here at Grace Church, our conviction after studying these things is that God is still giving these supernatural spiritual gifts. He is still giving them. But we also believe that too often these gifts aren't understood biblically or aren't practiced biblically. So it's very important that you hear both that our conviction is that God is still giving these gifts, but it's also very important that we understand what the scriptures teach about them and how they are or are not to be pursued. Let me give you some examples. We do believe that God supernaturally heals the sick today. We love to pray for the sick. We've seen God do some beautiful, miraculous healings here. But we do not believe the Bible teaches that it is always God's will to heal. 
sometimes it is God's will in his love, in his mercy, to allow illnesses to stay, as I said earlier, because whenever he does that, it's because he's going to use that to bring us even more nearness with him, even more joy in him, even more precious closeness with him than we would have known had we not experienced that illness. Many of you have experienced that. So we do believe God wants us to pray for the sick, and he does heal supernaturally, but it's not right to teach that it's always God's will to heal. Another example, uh, we don't believe that God teaches, that the Bible teaches, or that God says in his word that, that he will give the gift of tongues to everyone. It's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible's very clear, 1 Corinthians 12, 30 and 31. Jot that reference down. Now, some of you maybe have come from a church background where that's what was taught. Um, we respect each other. But I would just appeal to you, read 1 Corinthians 12, 30 and 31. Tongues is a wonderful gift. The, the gift of tongues is where you are given the ability to pray in a language you've never learned. It's, it's a beautiful gift that God gives. But just like the other gift, it's not given to everyone. God doesn't give teaching to everyone, mercy to everyone, leadership to everyone. He doesn't give tongues to everyone, but it's a, it's a beautiful gift that God gives. Also, we believe that if... If tongues are spoken out loud, then they should be interpreted so that people can understand and benefit. Now again, that may not be the background you're from. Um, and I would encourage you to read 1 Corinthians 14 this afternoon. Just open it up and read it and see if that isn't what Paul is saying there. There is a private use of tongues where you're just praying between you and God. That's beautiful. God blesses with that. But if tongues are heard publicly, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, they should be interpreted so that people can benefit. One other example. We believe the Bible has authority over spiritual gifts. The Bible has authority over spiritual gifts. The Bible is the perfect word of God. So we evaluate all spiritual gifts by the Bible. That's what we're called to do. Spiritual gifts should never compete with the Bible. They should certainly never take preeminence over the Bible. The Bible should take preeminence over spiritual gifts, and we judge spiritual gifts by, by the Scripture. And the clearest way that you can hear God's voice is by reading the Bible. God speaks in other ways today. The Bible says he does. But the clearest, most powerful way you can hear God's voice is by opening up the Bible and reading. Don't ever forget that. It's important that we value Scripture above spiritual gifts. But because we value scripture so much, that's why we are committed to pursuing spiritual gifts. Because the scriptures, like 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, tell us, pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So it's because of our commitment to the scriptures that we want to pursue spiritual gifts. Now, what if you're coming from a background which like disagrees with everything I've just said or, or much of what I've said. Well, we can love each other and, uh, and I, I'd, like to, I'd like to change your mind uh, by means of the scripture. In fact, I would encourage you today and next Friday, just listen carefully, take notes, look at the passages. And then also the last two years, we started this fall of 2016 and then also fall of 2017, we did a two or three week series each of those seasons. I would encourage you to listen to those as well and then email me any questions you have or any objections you have. I'd be glad to dialogue with you about this. 
I wouldn't expect to have your mind changed in one Friday at all. But I would, I would like to talk to you about this as we open up the scriptures together and, and work on this topic. Here's one way of looking at it. We're here in Abu Dhabi. Incredible spiritual needs here. Believers, I mean, you know the stresses and strains that believers face here. And in addition to that, the, the lost people that are here, people who've never heard the gospel, the darkness, the spiritual darkness that is here. We need all the spiritual weapons we can get to do what God's called us to do. And I hope you'll see these next two messages, those of you who've maybe not heard much teaching about this, you'll see there's more weapons, more spiritual weapons that I was aware of. We are even more better equipped than I knew. And that's why this is so important to us, because we want to bring Jesus Christ as much glory here in Abu Dhabi as we possibly can. So let's dig in. We're going to look today and next Friday, two passages from the book of Acts. To learn more about spiritual gifts, we're asking God to strengthen our faith that he gives spiritual gifts and to stir our hearts so that we desire and pursue spiritual gifts. So turn to Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. Acts chapter 2, right after the day of Pentecost, this important passage. Now here's some background to this passage. Old Testament believers, when they put their trust in God's mercy, which would be purchased through the Messiah Jesus, when they put their trust in God, they were given the gift of the Holy Spirit, powerful gift of the Holy Spirit. That's why, for example, David, in Psalm 5111, prays and says, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Old Testament believers had the gift of the Holy Spirit. But throughout the Old Testament, God promises that there's going to come a time when the Messiah comes, that there's going to be an even greater outpouring of the Holy Spirit, an even more powerful outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So when does that happen? After Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, he told his followers, don't leave Jerusalem. Stay here. The outpouring is coming. The gift of God is coming. Don't leave Jerusalem. Stay here. And at the beginning of Acts 2, you can read about this outpouring. The day of Pentecost, the believers were there in the upper room, praying together, and God poured his spirit upon them like the spirit had never been poured out before. They were filled with joy in God's presence. They were celebrating their salvation. They saw with even more clarity. The Holy Spirit gave them even more clarity into what Jesus had done. And they were speaking the mighty works of God. But what was unusual was that as they were speaking the mighty works of God, the words that came out of their mouths were in foreign languages that they'd never learned. The exact languages that many people there in Jerusalem spoke because people from outside Jerusalem had come to Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost. So everybody there is hearing the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus being proclaimed by these freshly filled believers, and they're hearing that gospel in their own languages. Some were intrigued and said, we want to hear more. Others scoffed and said, they're drunk. Get them out of here. And so Peter stood up and explained what was happening. And look at what he says, or look what happened, starting in Acts chapter 2, verse 14. Acts 2, 14 through 18. But Peter, standing with the eleven apostles, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, 
Let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day, nine o'clock in the morning. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Joel was an Old Testament prophet, prophesied around 600 BC, so 600 plus years earlier. This is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Quote, And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. So the fact that these people are full of joy and speaking in languages they've never learned is not because they're they're drunk. It's because of what Peter says. Look at verse 16 and 17 again. This is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. This is what Joel prophesied 600 years before. And in the last days, it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Now, when is the last days? That's when this is going to be happening. So to understand what Peter is saying here, quoting what Joel is saying, we need to understand when are the last days. Joel's original prophecy, you can read this in your Bibles this afternoon, doesn't say in the last days, it says after these things. So it's just kind of a general statement of in the future, when Peter quotes this, he makes it more specific under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Peter was an apostle. He spoke perfect truth from God, and he got more specific and said that it has to do with something that happens in the last days. So when are the last days? When you study that phrase in the New Testament, what you find is that the last days are the time period beginning with Jesus' first coming, and ending with Jesus' second coming. Here's an example. Look at Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. This is super clear from these verses. We're asking the question, when are the last days? Are we in the last days? Are they still to come? Look at Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. It's talking about the Old Testament time period. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. So the last days started with the first coming of Christ and go all the way through to the second coming of Christ. Now here's a picture just to make this more clear. So you've got the former days on the left-hand side. That starts with creation, history of Israel. That's the Old Testament time period. Then the last days start with Jesus' first coming and go to Jesus' second coming, which is still to come when Jesus returns again brings world history to a close, and brings in the final judgment. And then that'll start off eternity. But so the last days are this time between Jesus' first coming and Jesus' second coming. So here's the quiz question. Are we in the last days today? The answer is yes, we are. And see, many believers, somehow they read last days, they think, well, that's got to be the days right before Jesus comes back, so we're not there yet. That's not how the Bible uses the phrase, the last days. In the New Testament, the last days is referring to the time between the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ. We are now living in the last days. So what will happen in the last days? 
Look again, verses 17 and 18. Here's what happens. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Now let's just stop there, linger there. In the last days, God is going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. What does that mean? For some of you, this is the part of the passage you need to pay close attention to this morning. What does it mean that God pours his spirit out upon all flesh? We see God has poured his spirit out upon these people, these believers on the day of Pentecost. A few hours later, there will be 3,000 more new believers who God pours his spirit out upon them as he saves them. A few chapters later, chapter 8, there's Samaritans who put their trust in Jesus Christ and God pours his spirit out upon them. Chapter 10, we see Gentiles putting their trust in Christ, God pouring his spirit out upon them. What it means for God to pour out his spirit is that God saves us from our sin and gives us the precious gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, like I said, for some of you, this is the part of the passage you need to be focused on. Don't Focus mostly on dreams, visions, and prophecy this morning. If you haven't yet trusted Jesus Christ, if you haven't been forgiven for your sins, this is the part of the passage. I want to plead with you that you focus here. Because this is huge. Remember, here's why. I'll set the stage for why. We've all sinned against God. Every one of us in this room. God is the most glorious joy, the infinitely most satisfying joy of the universe. There's no greater joy than knowing God, fellowshipping with God, worshiping God, beholding God, experiencing his love and his presence. There's no greater joy for the human heart than knowing God, and God created you so that you could have the joy of knowing him. Now, tragically, we've all turned our backs on God and said, I'm going to seek my joy elsewhere, thank you. And the Bible calls that sin, and it means we face God's judgment forever. But like I said earlier, God is slow to anger abounding in mercy. And so he sent Jesus. Jesus, fully God, fully man, lived a perfectly sinless life, and then he was crucified, punished for the sins of all who would put their trust in him. So the moment you put your trust in Jesus to forgive you, the moment you trust him to change you, trust him to fill and satisfy you, At that moment, you're completely forgiven. He starts to change you, and the Holy Spirit is poured out upon you, and for the first time, you taste the joy you were created to know. For the first time, you taste the joy that God has for you. He is the greatest joy of the universe. You know God. You know he knows you. You know he loves you. He's pouring his assuring love upon you. You know you're forgiven. You know you'll never face judgment again. You know you have God's love and care and guidance and provision and protection, bringing you all the way through to heaven, keeping you on the road, strengthening you when you're weak, comforting you when you're sad, blessing you, meeting you, helping you, taking you all the way to glory. You know your future is set because of the finished work of what Jesus has done on the cross. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Now that all flesh means people from all different races. So here's the question I want to ask you. Have you put your trust in Jesus Christ and received forgiveness of sins? And had God's heart-changing work start to take place and received the outpouring of the Holy Spirit? Have you experienced that? Has that happened to you? Listen, I was just thinking about this this morning. We are all on the brink of eternity. And life here on earth is short and eternity is obviously long, right? 
And, and we're all like right on the brink of eternity. I mean, you could be in eternity tomorrow or 10 years from now or 80 years from now, but, but you will have the time coming when you're standing before God, your God, who's created you. And deep down inside, you know that he is true and real and that you've sinned against him. And Jesus is the savior he's provided. He's asking you, he's urging you, put your trust in my son. Come as you are. He will forgive you. He will change you. He will satisfy you. Has that happened in you? That's where your focus should be this morning. In the last days, God will pour out a spirit upon all flesh. I'm praying he's going to pour out a spirit by saving some people here today. That's the first thing I wanted to focus. This is what God does in the last days. But that's not all that he does. Keep going in verse 17. He says, your Sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. So God will pour out supernatural spiritual gifts. Prophecy, dreams, and visions. Part of what he does in the, in the last days. So let's, let's take these one at a time. Let's start with prophecy. What is the gift of prophecy? Now, something that is so important to understand is that the word prophecy is used in two very different ways in the Bible. One way that the word prophecy, prophet, is used is to describe those who God has gifted to write Scripture. Prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Moses. In the New Testament, they're called apostles. Old Testament, they're called prophets. They speak and write perfect truth from God. That's, that's Scripture, and that is our highest priority. That's one way that the word prophets is used. But there's another way that the word prophet is used. It refers to something that is not scripture. It's where God brings a thought into your mind, and God can pour this out upon any believer. There, there's, no more, there's no more prophets who are writing scripture. There's no more apostles who are writing scripture. But there are still people who receive the gift of prophecy today, but it's different than what that was. It's where God brings a thought into your mind that when you share it with others, it brings them great benefit. It's, it's not a th highest authority. It's to be judged by the scriptures. If the thought that you have doesn't fit the scriptures, well, then that was just the pizza you ate last night or something else. You know, who knows? Something different. But if it does fit the scriptures, you pray about it, and then you can share it, and it'll bring great benefit. Now, let me give you an illustration of this from Acts 11, 27, and 28. Here's an example of, of prophecy that's not Isaiah-type or Moses-type or Jeremiah-type prophecy, but it's still very beneficial. Acts 11, 27 and 28. Luke writes, and he says, Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone, according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. So God gave Agabus this thought. He didn't get this thought by studying weather charts or by you know, figuring out how much wheat Egypt was going to you know, export up to Palestine. This didn't come from his own thinking. This is a thought that God brought into Agabus' mind. There's going to be a great famine. I'm calling the church to, to help their brothers and sisters down in Judea, which was going to be hardest hit by it. 
So this was not on a par with Scripture. This had to be judged by the Scripture. But obviously there's nothing unbiblical about this. And so as he prayed about it, he shared about it, and the church gathered funds and sent the funds down to Judea to help out. So here's an example of the kind of prophecy that God pours out as described in Acts chapter 2, 17 and 18 upon both sons and daughters, both men and women. God pours out this kind of prophecy. Now this doesn't mean it's always foretelling the future. There can be prophecy that, that is simply a word of, of exhortation, a word of encouragement. 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says that something can be called prophecy as long as it brings edification to people. It can be predicting the future, but not always. It may not be. Let me give you an example. A few Fridays ago, I think it was the Friday that I first had Bell's palsy, and it was a bit of a struggle for me to preach. My mouth wasn't working quite right. You guys were very patient with me. Um, but it was pretty exhausting. And after the service, somebody walked up, and they said that they felt like God had, had given them a word of prophecy to share with me, and just simply that, that God was going to be strengthening me for the rest of the day. He was going to be with me and strengthening me. Well, that was very timely because it was a very busy day coming up, and I was already feeling fairly depleted, and it just spoke right to my heart. I knew that God had stirred this person with this word to share with me, to show me that he's true, he's faithful, he's going to be helping me, and it strengthened my faith very much. Let me give you another example. Uh, it's about my, my wife. So this is, there was a season in San Jose when she'd been praying for a long time about some requests that are very near to her heart, my heart, and God hadn't been answering. Is that right? And, uh, and she had said to the Lord th things like, Father, I feel like I'm scratching and clawing. Clawing and scraping. Okay, I feel like I'm, I'm clawing and scraping and just not getting anywhere. And she was just battling and prayer. It had been a long time and, not, and no answer. She, she came to church one Sunday morning, and a young man stood up and said, that someone there has been feeling like they're, sorry, you get choked up, you choked, scraping and whatever it was, clawing and scraping, and, and God wants you to know he's hearing your prayers. Persevere in prayer. He loves you. And it was deeply moving to jam. But see how powerful that can be? Now, so again, this is not, we're not speaking scripture when God gives that kind of a, of a word to share with someone. This is under the scripture. It needs to be judged by the scripture. Scripture is more important. But the scripture tells us that God can work in that kind of way with that kind of a gift of prophecy. The reason we want to pursue that here is because of what the scripture teaches. The scripture tells us to pursue that. Okay, so another quiz. Why are we pursuing the gift of prophecy at Grace Church? It's because the scripture tells us we should. 1 Corinthians 14.1. Pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. That's not a command for everybody to write scripture. Scripture's already been finished. The canon is closed. No one's writing scripture anymore. But those scriptures are telling us to pursue this gift of prophecy, which is different than Old Testament, call it capital P prophecy, like what Isaiah and Moses wrote. So that's, that's prophecy. Now, read verse 17 again. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. So when is God giving this gift of prophecy? It's in the last days. And when are the last days? They're now. Did you see the power of that? This is very persuasive to me. The last days are now. This is the time when God is pouring out the gift of prophecy. 
and it's given to both sons and daughters, men and women. I love that too. So that's prophecy. Now, what are visions and dreams? I included them together here because um, visions are often called visions in the night, which just means that they're like a vision given when you're sleeping, a dream. So they, they really do go together. So visions and dreams, it's when God brings you a picture or a scenario while you're either awake or sleeping. But it's, it's a picture or a scenario that has meaning that will be significant as you share it with other brothers and sisters. Now, let me give you an example. This is a very powerful illustration. Acts 16, 9 through 10. Here's the setting. Paul and his missionary team were ready to go out and preach the gospel and plant churches, but a couple different times they'd headed off into one direction. God said, no. Okay, another direction. God said, no. So they're like, where do we go? Look what happens in verse 9. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. When Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel there. So they needed guidance, and God gives Paul a vision in the night, probably a, a dream, and there's a man in Macedonia, which is about three, 400 kilometers west across the Aegean Sea. And so as a result of this, they went to Macedonia, they preached the gospel, and they planted many churches, including the church of Philippi and the church of Thessalonica, significant churches in the New Testament, obviously. So again, dreams and visions do not have the authority of Scripture. Dreams and visions need to be judged by the Scripture. Uh, is our authority dreams and visions, church? Never. No. Our authority is the scripture, but because the scripture tells us that God pours out dreams and visions, that's why we honor that and pursue that under the scriptures. Okay, very important. Now, with that in mind, look again at Acts chapter 2, verse 17. And in the last days, very important phrase, it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. So when is it that God will give visions and dreams? It's in the last days. And when is the last days now? And God gives dreams and visions to both young and old. That includes all of us, I think, right? Okay. Let me give you one other illustration about, about a dream. So this is many, many, many years ago, before we planted the church in, in, that I talked about earlier. I knew God was calling us to go plant a church, and I thought it was going to be about an hour away, back to my hometown. My parents, at least, I thought maybe they'd come to the church. Um, I thought it could be a smooth, seamless financial transition. I was at a church on staff, and I could just start leading Bible studies up there and get a church started, and I, I thought that's where God's calling us to go. But I thought I'd better check in with God. And so started to pray, Lord, confirm that if that's from you. And one night I had this startling dream. It was just this sign that said, San Jose. Well, San Jose was six hours north of, we knew one couple up there who we hadn't seen for, for years. And that was it. Didn't know anybody up there. And um, I want to give you the whole story but as we prayed, God kept giving more clarity and more confirmation. And, and people 
walking up to us and saying that's exactly what God's calling you to do. And the whole, whole story, we ended up planting the church in San Jose and pastored that church for over 20, 20 years. God works these ways. Now, not everybody gets visions, not everybody gets dreams, not everybody gets prophecy, but, but we should all be earnestly desiring these gifts, right? 1 Corinthians 14.1, pursue love. So this is for the sake of love. This is for the sake of loving our brothers and sisters and for loving lost people. Pursue love, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. That's what we're up to here. Now, let me give you some takeaways. What does this mean for us? I've got five takeaways written down. Think about these. First, more, most important, receive the outpouring of the Spirit by trusting Jesus Christ. Okay, this is far more important than dreams and visions and prophecy. Oh, if, if some of you today would put your trust in Jesus Christ and receive assurance by an outpouring of God's love that you're completely forgiven because of what he did in dying, paying for sin on the cross. If you could start to experience his heart changing power and the joy that you were meant for and the joy that you've been looking for all your life, if you could come to know Jesus Christ, we would be thrilled. This is what's most important in this passage. So let me encourage you, see that you've sinned against God and that he's provided a savior who can pay for all of your sin, who can receive all the punishment that you deserve in himself on the cross. And then trust him, turn from your sin, Trust him to forgive you. Trust him to change you. Trust him to satisfy you. He will, and then he will pour out his Holy Spirit upon you, and you will know God. You'll experience his love, his presence, his joy, his fullness. Oh, we long for that. So that's first. Receive the outpouring of the Spirit by trusting Jesus Christ. This is the most important part of this passage. Now, secondly, understand that God is giving supernatural spiritual gifts now. now. Like I said earlier, some believers don't believe that. And we're all brothers and sisters together. We're all on the same team. We're all on the same side. But I, I'd like to persuade you that God is still giving these gifts. Again, some of the ways that these gifts are practiced in some circles are not right. It's very important, not just that we affirm that he's giving them, but that we pursue them biblically. I've tried to lay out what that means for us here at, at Grace Church. But God is still giving supernatural spiritual gifts. This is what Peter says God is doing in the last days, and that's today. So understand that. Now, if that's, if that's foreign to you, if that's a whole new thought, just, just do some study. Like I said, I don't expect to change your mind in one Friday morning, but you do study on your own. Listen to some of the past messages. Come again next Friday. We'll be talking about this some more but it's important that you understand this is what the scriptures are, are teaching. And then third, pray for dreams. Pray for visions. Pray for prophecy. Have you ever done that? Start, start praying for that. For the sake of love, not to build ourselves up, or to, but because we want to love our brothers and sisters. And if this is a way I could show love to a brother or sister, if this is the way I could show love to a lost person, Lord, grant it. Grant it. <laughs> Pray for dreams, visions, and prophecy. Again, dreams, visions, and prophecy are not as important as God's word. But the reason we pursue dreams, visions, and prophecies is because it's taught in God's word. 
That's why. Let's keep the, keep the perspective right here. So it's because of our love for God's word that we want to pursue visions, dreams, and prophecy. So I'll give you an example. Maybe on Thursday night, you're taking some time to pray for our Friday morning gathering. You're going over the Prepare for Friday webpage that Ben has put together. And as you're praying, God brings a thought into your mind that there are going to be people there tomorrow morning who are struggling with thinking God hasn't answered their prayers. And God wants to assure them, I'm hearing your prayers. Persevere, I'm hearing your prayers. I delight in your prayers. And so you think, is that, is that biblical? Yes, that's biblical. And as you pray about it some more, you think, okay, I, I think God wants me to share this tomorrow morning. And so then during the worship and song time, you walk up and whether it's me or whoever else is up here, point man, um, to talk about spiritual gifts, we'd have you come up and share that with the body. And see, when you share that then with the body here on Friday morning, there will be individuals here who will be profoundly touched by that encouragement. Their heart has been in pain over the fact that they've thought God hasn't been hearing their prayers. They've been discouraged about long times prayer, like, like I mentioned about Jan earlier. And when they hear you share that you feel like God has told you to share with the body that there are some here whose prayers haven't been answered and God wants you to know that he's hearing you, he's loving you, he's caring for you. That will be so profoundly powerful for them. Do you see how that works? Do you see how loving that would be for people here in the body? Another example, let's say that you're praying for your home group and you're saying, God, give me whatever I can receive from you to bless my home group. Give me like a prophecy or a vision or a dream, anything. Well, let's say that that night you dream about people in your home group sharing their testimonies and, and people are coming to faith in the Lord and you wake up the next morning, anything unbiblical about that? No, that's, that's biblical. You pray, say, Lord, should I share that with our home group? And the Lord's confirming, yes, share that. And so then you share and God gives you the sense that what you should share about that is that God's encouraging people to be more bold in sharing your testimony. God is going to, going to save people. And so again, that's, that's, that's love because as you share that with the home group, it'll stimulate, stimulate them and all of us to love and good deeds. So pray for dreams, visions, and prophecy. Then fourth, when you receive a gift, evaluate it biblically, right? If somebody hears something that's not in accord with Scripture, then it's not a spiritual gift from God. Just plain as day, open, shut, no debate. The Bible is our only and our sole and our supreme authority. All right? So evaluate it biblically. Pray about it. Say, Lord, is this something I should share? And then share it as, as appropriate. And then fifth, do all of this for the good of others and the glory of Jesus. Not to build yourself up, to bless and to love others. This is a way to love other believers and people who aren't yet saved. This is a beautiful way to show Christ's love and to bring glory to his name. And I can tell from from experience, it is so encouraging when someone has a prophetic word, a vision, or a dream that pertains to you and your situation. It is so encouraging. Share it with others for the glory of God and for their good. Now let me close with one last illustration. Our last Sunday at the church in San Jose, five years ago, they were going to be laying hands on us and, and sending us to Abu Dhabi. And we'd been praying that God would confirm to the church that this was, was God's call on us. It wasn't just our idea. We were just praying, Lord, show the church. And we had shared that with them. But Lord, show the church. Let them see that this is your doing. This isn't just our doing, that this is your doing. We'd been praying, praying, praying. Well, 
Last Friday, last Sunday morning, we were there. Church was gathering around us to, to pray for us. And one of the elders' wives raised her hand. And uh, with tears, she said, I, I have to share something. I had a dream last night. And in this dream, there was a seedling being planted in a place that was complete desert. And miraculously, it started to grow and bore fruit and flourished and, and brought blessing. And when I woke up, I just, I knew. I didn't want to share this. <laughs> she, didn't, she didn't want to share it because she didn't, didn't want us to go. But um, the Lord just confirmed to me, this is Steve and Jan, and, and share this with the church this morning. And so the whole church was just was encouraged, like, this is the Lord's doing. God is doing this. We were encouraged, the church was encouraged, and God is glorified. So I want to encourage you, pray about these things, study these things, pursue these things. Out of obedience to the scripture, our sole supreme authority, because the scripture calls us to do this, and evaluating everything by the scripture, but pursue these supernatural spiritual gifts for the glory of God, for the building up of the body, and for the saving of the lost. So let's pray together. Father, I pray that you would touch each of us with wherever we're at on this topic. We're at all different places. I pray, Lord, for those here who are not yet trusting Christ. And I ask, Lord, that you'd bring your power upon them right now, that in your love you'd give them a, a deep conviction of their sin before you, then that they, they need a Savior, that they can't make themselves righteous by their own efforts, that they can't make themselves good enough, that the only way they can be saved is by receiving the Savior, Jesus, and trusting Jesus. So, Lord, right now I pray that you would Bring people a strong sense of conviction along those lines here. And save them, Lord, as they turn to Christ and, and trust Jesus. Save them, Lord, right now, I pray. I pray for any here, Lord, this morning who, who come from a background where they've not thought about supernatural spiritual gifts or maybe they've, they've thought that they aren't still being given to the church. I just pray that you'd give them grace to, to study and then, Lord, you lead them and guide them. Your word is what's most important here that they follow your word, that's what it's all about. So Lord, help them as they do that. I pray that this morning wouldn't be unsettling to them in any way, but they could just seek you and study your word. I pray for those who believe that you're giving gifts, but, but Lord, we need to be stirred up to, to be praying more earnestly and to have more faith to share what you give us when it is in accord with your word. So Lord, I pray that you would pour out more faith upon us pour out more gifts upon us. I pray for an outpouring of your gifts upon Grace Church for the glory of Jesus Christ.